So turn on and turn in your Bibles, whatever you got. We're going to look at this, chapter 5 of James. The hashtag, if you're tweeting this morning, is prayer changes things. You can do that. I'm so excited to be able to uh, share this with you. If you'll look at the 13th verse, and you'll read along, it'll be on the screen as well. But I'd love it if you just mark this up in your own Bible and see some of the verses uh, that are here. Take some notes today for sure. Verse 13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him pray or sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And the second half of that 16th verse is the key point today. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James is talking to us about the incredible power when ordinary people simply take God at his word and pray and don't give up. When ordinary people take God at his word and they pray and they do not give up. This is going to be so powerful and encouraging this morning. This powerful word of God is for you. It's for you who are watching online. It's for everybody. I want you to pay close attention and I want your faith to grow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would now change the way that we think. We need your help. Change the way we think about prayer, what is possible and what you can do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a God-given instinct that's inside of every person, and that is the instinct that when you're in trouble, you call out to God and you pray, and he will answer you. He will intervene in your situation, that when you're stuck, when there is something that's terribly wrong, you cry out to God and he will hear you. All the way through the Bible, this is exactly what God invites us to come and to do, to open up our mouths and to cry out to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him. In Jeremiah 33, it says, call unto me, I will hear you, I will tell you the things that you know not, things that are great and mighty and you don't understand. I will, I will, I will answer you when you call to me. David is so confident in Psalm the fourth chapter when he says, uh, I will uh, hear you uh, when I call. He says, I, I know that the Lord will hear me when I call to him. So God's not aloof. God's not disconnected. God's not far away from us. When we cry out, he will hear us. When we don't know when to turn, when we throw up our hands, God says, cry out to me. I'll listen to you. I understand how you feel. I will respond. I will act. I will hear your prayer. The strategy of the enemy, though, to the people of God has been the exact opposite. All through the pages of Scripture and throughout the years, the enemy is telling us, telling you, God's not listening to you when you pray. 
He won't pay attention to your cry. You're not even holy enough. Why would God listen to you? Why would it even matter if you prayed? God's made up his mind. He's not going to change his mind. He's going to do what he wants. There's nothing you can do about it. Might as well figure it out on your own. There's nothing that's really going to happen when you pray. This is his entire strategy. But that's just not true. Because the scripture is replete with God inviting his people, come to me, I will hear you, I understand, I will pay attention to your cry, and I will respond to you. Jesus said very clearly, he says, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. He says, everyone who asks and keeps on asking will receive, and everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find, and everyone who keeps on knocking and knocks on the door, it will be opened unto him. And James has told us already that the only reason that we don't have is because we don't ask. The Bible calls out to us, pray, talk to God. He will hear you, and he will answer. And so James says right here, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, if everything's going great, then sing your song to God. Communicate with him, pray. In other words, is this not the span of our lives? Is not life up and then down? Life is sometimes high and sometimes it's low. Life's a roller coaster. There are days when everything's going great and there's days when we're happy and there's days when it's horrific and life is a swing between both of those poles. And James says, whatever state you find yourself in and anywhere in between, call out to me and I'm listening. Whether you're happy or when you're down and depressed, I am listening. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth no matter what situation I am in. And so he says, you know, clearly we get it. If I'm suffering, pray. I get it. If I'm cheerful, praise God. I get that. If you're sick, call on the elders of the church. Whoa, wait a second. I don't know if I want to ask somebody to pray for me. I mean, it gets complicated. We don't like to ask people for anything. Have you noticed this? I don't want to be, have, I don't want to ask somebody for something. See, somehow we feel that to ask for something is to indicate a sign of weakness. And so we don't ask. But it says here, if you're sick, call upon the elders, the pastors, the overseers, the spiritual leaders of the church, whatever they're called, ask them to come and to pray. We don't want prayer. We want platitudes so often, and we'll have people say to us things like, you know, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. But that's not the same as somebody who knows how to press through and to come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace for those in their time of need. It's a totally different thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so much easier just to have the platitude, but God's saying, you're sick, call the elders of the church, get them together, have them anoint you with oil, and pray. This just immediately implies something that most of us just don't even think about, but that you are a part of a local church, that you, are, that you have people that will, that will respond. You're part of a family, so when you're sick, people care, and they'll respond to you, and they'll come. In the New Testament, there's no such thing as a Christian that is not connected to other Christians, that has not placed themselves under submission to some body of other believers, that they don't believe that they're just an island unto themselves that there is some idea that you're going to have times in your life where you will need God to intervene. And in those times, you need to be connected and to be a part of a family, that you have someone that you can call. Notice that the initiative is placed upon the person who is sick. If you're sick, you call. Otherwise, how else will anybody know? You decide to be a part of a church family. You connect. The implication, it is upon you to be a part of that. Let them call the elders of the church. Why? Because the faith has to start inside of you. If you don't have any faith for the prayer, why pray? 
But if you'll have the faith to say, I believe that God can act and I will call and I will invite people to pray for me, you're on the right ground because God may soon act for you. Notice he says, call the elders of the church, let them pray, anointing with oil. Well, what's that all about, anointing with oil? Oil is, is, is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. No different for some of you. Very, very uh, clear that the bread symbolizes the body of Christ and the cup symbolizes his blood and the oil symbolizes the presence of Jesus. So anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The, the oil signifies the touch, the presence of Jesus. It's not the hands of the elders. It's not the hands of men. It's not anybody's name. It's the name of Jesus that brings healing. And so the idea is, is let Jesus be present where two or three are gathered. Let his presence be there. Let it be symbolic that he's there. And I will respond. I will. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. This is a person that is determined. This is a person that has a burning desire to live. That desire to live is so strong, they're willing to say, if I need to confess something, if I need to get rid of something in my life, if God's got his finger on an offense, I'm going to let it go. It's not worth it. I want to live. This is a person with a desire to live that's so great, they walk away from conflict and they say, God, you will settle the score. Uh, God, I want my heart to be pure and clean. I confess my sins. God, I will come and ask the elders for the church to pray. God, by faith, you'll respond. Listen, cancer can't even stand up to a burning desire to live and the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man. This is, this is the word of the Lord. The problem is we don't believe that. We don't really, we, we want to believe, we want to believe the scriptures when it talks about prayer like that, but, but we don't really believe uh, in prayer like this anymore. We say things like, well, things are so bad, all we can do is pray. It's not our first resort. We just don't pray because we don't believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is our greatest privilege. It's our greatest honor. It's our greatest power source to come and talk to God, and yet it's our biggest failure. We don't pray. We talk. We shout. We complain. We worry. We fret. We tweet. But we do not pray. Far more tweeting about Chick-fil-A this week than any praying going on. Absolutely true. Embarrassing. Let me ask the question, why don't we pray? Why is nobody praying? Let me be honest. Let us be honest with ourselves because we really don't believe that prayer is an effective solution to the problem. We don't pray because we think, I'm not qualified God wouldn't even listen to me anyway. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I mean, I'm not, I don't even know what to say. In fact, that's where this whole praying to saints got started because I'm not holy enough, but they are. Maybe I can ask them to use their influence on God because I'm not effective. I would not be holy enough to pray. That's why the key to this passage is in the 17th verse where it says, Elijah had a nature just like us. He was a man just like us. He was ordinary. And yet he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it rained, and the earth produced its fruit. He was a man just like us, it says. He had his highs and his lows. He had his good days and his bad days. There were days when he was falling by faith and other days where he was so depressed that he was saying, God, basically, I want to die. Kill me, a suicide wish. We think that someone who could pray that could make it rain would be in a different class than us. Not so, says the word of God, that 
This is an ordinary man just like us. I went to a Benedictine monastery earlier in the month of July just to get away and to just, just to pray, just to be quiet before the Lord. I go into this chapel, and there's all this stained glass, massive stained glass, and one for all of the apostles. And they were so much larger than life. They were floating. They had beams of light coming out of them and big halos around their head. No wonder we tend to think that there are categories of Christians that are so much greater than us. And yet those men themselves says, hey, don't worship us. We're but men. We're just like you. It's the power of God that's in us. We're just men. And God chose some very humble men to be his disciples. They're just people. And yet we don't really believe that. We're not, Darren, seriously, don't put me in a category of someone like Elijah that could pray for rain. Nothing happens when I pray. Well, here's the secret. This is what you might want to write down. Elijah did what you have to do. He didn't do anything that you and I can't do today. All you have to do is find the word of God and act on the word of God when you pray. You see, Elijah had already read the scripture in Deuteronomy where God says, if you serve me, if the nation of Israel serves me, I will bless them. I will prosper them. I'll send the rain in its season, and your crops will produce, and your land will produce its fruit. If you serve me and follow me, I'll bless you. I'll send the rain. But if you turn from me and you walk away and you ignore me and you start serving other gods, I will shut up the heavens and there will be no rain. And so here now is Elijah living in a time where the people have gone crazy. They've turned away from God. They're falling after this sex god Baal, desecrated themselves and desecrating the land, and it's horrible. And he there's an outrage and a burning desire for God in his heart. And he says, God, your word said that, that, that if, if people turn from you, then you would stop the rain. God, do whatever it takes. God, honor your word. If it takes stopping the rain to get these people attention, God, do what your word says. And he's praying according to the word of God. And so by faith, he says to the king, it's not going to rain, because that's what God said. By faith, he speaks. And you know what? God answered his prayer. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. It is a long time for there to be no rain. Elijah is now famous. People hate Elijah. They're, they're, this is the guy that prayed for three years, or for, that, that said there would be no rain. It's three and a half years. And people are out to kill him. And he's on the run. He's living all over the place trying to stay alive. But finally, the people get so desperate, and Elijah knows it's the time, and he sets up this God contest. He says, let it be known whether or not there's a God in Israel. Call your prophets. Let's set up an altar to Baal, and I'll set up an altar to the living God, and the one who can pray down fire from heaven. That's, that's how we'll know who the living God is. So 450 prophets of Baal show up, and they set up their altar, and they begin to cry out to their stone god, send the rain, send the rain, and nothing happens. And Elijah begins to mock the prophets of Baal. Where is your god? Why can't he hear? Is he deaf? Is he on vacation? Is he relieving himself? Bible actually says that. It, where is your god? See, the, the God can't respond because it's a God of stone. It's not real. So they, they get more desperate. They begin to cut themselves. They're bleeding everywhere. It's bleeding until evening, crying out to their God, and nothing happens. When it's Elijah's turn, he simply builds the altar. The Bible says that the first thing he did was he repaired the altar. And I wish I had time to talk about just that this morning. I'm going to come back to that this fall about repairing the altar. But we don't even have the time. But he repaired the altar, puts up a stone, one for each of the tribes of Israel. This is for everybody. And then he sets up the wood and he puts the sacrifice. And somebody's thinking, he's going to sneak some fire onto that thing if I know Elijah. And Elijah says, let's put 
water all over this sacrifice. In fact, gallons and gallons of water all over the sacrifice. Saturate it, soak it, put a trench around it, let it fall down into the trench that there's no way that this thing could come on fire. Do you realize how costly of a sacrifice this was? Do you realize how expensive this must have been? There has been no rain for three and a half years, and they are pouring gallons and gallons of water over this sacrifice. I mean, we, we're not even allowed to mow our, our, water our grass for a month, and there's huge fines, right? And this is three and a half years later, and they're pouring water on the ground. And Elijah in his mind is going, I'm not going to offer to the Lord something that costs me nothing. And he soaks it back, and then he set, sets back, and he says, God of heaven, God of Israel, you are the living God. Show yourself strong in the eyes of your people today. And fire comes from heaven. I mean, no, no yelling or screaming. The fire of God comes, burns up the sacrifice, burns up the wood, evaporates all the water, and all the people fall on their face before the living. There is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. And they get rid of all of the prophets. They get rid of all of the idols. They tear it down. People's hearts repent. They turn back to God. And there is revival in the land. It's an awesome, awesome day. Now, Elijah knows also what the word of God has said. You remember, all he did was pray the word of God. The word said, if you turn from me, if you abandon me, if you chase after these other gods, I'm going to stop up the heavens. So he prays, God, do what your word says. Stop the heavens. So now they're turning back to God. They're repenting. They're softening their hearts. And the word of the Lord says, but if you turn your heart back to me, if you repent, you come back to me, then I will draw near to you. I will send the rains again. So Elijah now knows that it's the will of God because his word says that he'll send the rains when people respond. And let the hearer hear what I am saying today, that he will send the rain on your life when you turn your heart back to him. But he, they turn their heart back to him and the rains begin to, and the rains now, God can send the rain. So he says, Lord, send the rain. And he prays. The Bible says he prays seven times. First, second, third, fourth time, nothing happens. But he knows he's praying according to the word of God. On the seventh time, a little tiny small cloud appears, the size of a man's hand. And Elijah declares, it's going to rain. Everybody get ready. The rain is going to come. The rain's going to come. And it is a gusher. And it floods everything simply because he knew in his heart that all I'm doing is praying exactly what God's word has said. This is not that Elijah is some holy great man. He's simply an ordinary man with the faith to take God at his word, to pray it, and believe that it can happen. So, so this is all 1 Kings chapter 18. Beginning of 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah now feels like it's over. The rains have come. People have turned back their hearts to God. He gets the word that there's a death warrant out for him that they're not going to give up. They're still trying to kill him. And he realizes, it's not over for me. I still have to run. He ends up having to run to the other side of the desert. He's so discouraged and so depressed. After three and a half years, God showed up, and I still have to run. He's so upset that he goes into this huge depression. And he calls out to God, and he says, God, you might as well just kill me. Take my life. In the first 10 verses of chapter uh, 19, you find out that Elijah experiences now this great man of faith who called down fire from God the next day is full of fear and resentment and guilt and anger and loneliness and worry. And now you understand why James says this is a man who is just like us. There are high days and there are low days. God is no respecter of person. 
And the lesson of Elijah's life, hear me what I'm telling to you, it is not that you have to be perfect or holy or even, you know, externally righteous to pray. God looks at the heart of a man and he looks at the humility of a man and he declares a person righteous based on their approach to him. He looks at Elijah, an ordinary man who is not perfect, but just simply takes God at his word and will pray what the word of God says and will not give up. An ordinary man who prays what is in the word of God persistently and will not give up. You see, a lot of people want God to answer their prayers. They want God to answer. They don't even know like one scripture. They know like Jesus wept, that's it. They've memorized maybe John 3.16, they know that one. But, but what scripture do you, have you hid in your heart that speaks to the situation that you're in right now? That you can pray, that it's not just about what you're asking, you're praying according to the word of God. Do you know what the word of God has to say about your situation and have you prayed what, not only what God's word said, but the word he gave to you in your spirit through the word of God? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Do you realize this? This is powerful. The scripture says that, 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 you know, you can believe for your whole household to be saved. There's a verse that simply says, those of you who are believing God for a child who's lost, who's strayed away, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So you take that scripture and you hide it in your heart. You, God, you said not just me, but me and my whole household. And you pray according to the word of God and you do not give up knowing that it is the will of God to save everybody in your household. This is praying by faith according to the word of God. Do you understand this about prayer? That as you get into God's word, that God's spirit will give you a word and you'll say this scripture is for me and you'll pray it and you don't give up. You see, there are just some things that God won't do for you just because you pray once. You have to pay the price of persistence. Elijah knew he was praying the word of God. He knew that he had the confidence God is going to answer this prayer, and he still had to pray seven times. The issue here is how bad do you want it? If you only pray for something one time and then say, well, forget God, how badly do you really want it? But if you want it so bad that you wake up in the morning you say, God, thank you for another day. And Lord, let today be the day that you send the rain. Let today be the rain, the day that you send the rain into my life. This is what God is talking about. Not people who just want to use God as a vending machine just to provide their every whim and feed, you know, a superstar ego. You run off and start your healing ministry. Listen, this is not what it's about. I want to talk about the, the slow process of just persistently praying through the times when it seems like nothing is happening. It's not getting any better. But you know what God's word said and you know what his what 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 he's spoken into your spirit and so you just keep praying over and over and over again lord i don't know if i'm going to see it today but i am not going to stop and before i die i know you're going to answer my prayer do i have any persistent people listening to me this morning you'd be surprised at the people who don't pray pers persistently they don't pray persistently because they don't really want to ask God for anything. They never ask God for anything great. They, they never express a real, honest, single desire to God. And they never get anything much from the Lord because they never allow themselves to take the risk of being vulnerable before God. They, they rationalize and reason in their mind that subconsciously, if I don't want anything badly, I can't be disappointed. 
So they live their lives in some sort of a neutral state without ever experiencing the power of God, simply praying according to his word and trusting God to turn the situation around. Through the Bible, everybody who got their prayers answered, study this sometime, almost every person who had their prayers answered were people who simply were passionate about what God had said and they hung on to it and they persisted in faith and God gave them the answer. I, I think of this incredible woman named Hannah in the Bible. This woman uh, was desperate. She longed for a child. She was barren. She could not have children. And she was crying out to God. And she was in the temple one day just crying out. You know, imagine her just praying, God, I know that you can open up barren wombs. I mean, you gave Sarah a child, and she was barren. And you gave Rachel a child, and she was barren. And your word says that if we obey you and follow you, you will bless us and multiply us and, and open up our womb. And Lord, Lord you were even faithful to when we were captives in Egypt, and you blessed the fruit of our womb in Egypt. And Lord, you've even said in your word that, that the firstborn of every womb is going to be offered and given back to the Lord. God, I promise you, if you'll just give me a child, God, if you'll answer my prayer, God, I will give you this son. And she's praying so desperately that the priest is watching her, and he thinks that she's drunk. She's like, what? In the, you came to the house of God drunk, you crazy lady? He, she, he starts to attack her. And she's going, no, 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 listen, I'm just praying so desperately. I want a son. I want a baby. You know, have you ever prayed for anything hard enough that you risked your image? That's what I want to know. And so, so uh, the, the priest goes, oh, well, if that's all, listen, you keep praying. May God answer your prayer and give you the desires of your heart. And did you know a year, a year later, she's given a son. And three years from that day, she comes back to the temple doing exactly what she promised, and she offers up and gives, you know, young little Samuel to the service of the Lord. God answers the prayer of faith of persistent people who will take God at his word. Jesus said this, I'm just too simple. I just take Jesus at his word. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, abide in you, then ask whatsoever your hearts desire and it will be done to you. Can I just say that's Jesus talking, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask me the desires of your heart and it will be given unto you. I'm just wondering if there's anybody still that wants to pray with me. And imagine a church of people that decide, God, we're going to risk our image and we'll risk whether you provide it or not. You are still God, but I am going to pray. Hebrews chapter 11 says that if we come to God in faith, we must come believing that he is, he's able, he can, he will. And he, listen to this, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently does not mean one time. It means you keep seeking him. You keep praying over and over and over again. But God will reward you if you're persistent. If you keep on praying, God will reward you. And you keep praying till it moves or it doesn't move. I'm still going to pray because here's the thing I know. If it's impossible, the only way it may ever move is if God uh, answers that prayer. So God will respond is what his word is saying. He'll actually hear you. He understands what you're feeling. He knows the burdens of your heart. You can call out to him and he will not turn a deaf ear. He'll respond to you. Some of you just need to ask for prayer this morning. 
Some of you need to repent of unbelief in your heart, saying to yourself, God could never answer my prayer. Some of you need to get into God's word again, and maybe you'll even repent of the laziness of not even knowing what God's word has to say about your situation. Some of you find out what God has to say, and then hold on to that and say, God, I'm just going to persist and believe. Some of you will say today, I'm, I'm done with just living for myself and living on my own. I need to be part of God's family. I need to submit myself and be part of a family of, of believers so I have people that I can call on and they will pray. Listen, what can God do is the bottom line here. What can God do? What can God do? He can do anything. And if God can do anything, then it is by prayer that we see God do the impossible, whatsoever you ask. And so I'm excited that you came this morning. I'm excited that you came. You came today, and this is the word of God to some of you who just were about to give up. You were on the edge. You were just about to stop and say, you know what, maybe it's not God's will for me. Maybe it's never going to happen. Maybe, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should give up. Maybe uh, there is no justice in the world. Maybe I should just stop praying. And God sent you here this morning to hear this word, to build up your faith, to say, will you persist in prayer? Will you believe that if God, all things are possible, will you pray? That's my word to you this morning. Is there anybody excited about what God's word has to say about this today? This is God's word to you. I want to pray for you this morning. Just bow your heads for just a moment. Ask him to talk to you. Tell him that you're ready to respond. Jesus Christ, you hear every single person reaching out to you. Let faith arise in their heart right now. Lord, you are never early, you're never late, but you're right on time. And I know that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Lord, I pray that those who are waiting on you will right now just wait upon you. Let Renew their strength. Renew their strength, Lord. Give them power on the inside. Give them renewed faith. And if you've not followed Jesus Christ yet, say this in your heart. Jesus Christ, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it all, but I pray that you will take my life in the mess that it is. Make something beautiful out of my life. Turn it around. Rescue me. Save me. He will not ignore your prayer. Say yes to him today. Holy Spirit, I pray you would draw every person who needs prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.